For today's Bible reading, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 5. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that you have given unto us to come in thy presence and worship you in this manner, Lord. Lord, we thank you for helping us to partake from the table, which reminds us that we are sanctified and we are, right, we are righteousness into your presence. Lord, we thank you for the blood that was sacrificed on the cross, through which we are sitting here and, and worshipping you, Lord. Lord, thank you for being the high priest that enters into the tabernacle, which is not made of hands, but which is a representation of a higher and more glorified presence of you, Lord. Lord, now we especially keep Jobin into your hand as he ministers to us from your word, O oh Lord. We pray that you bless him so that he can minister to, you, minister to us with full power. O oh Lord, we pray for us as we sit and listen to your word, O oh Lord. Help us that we can imbibe that thing in our lives and can learn from it, O oh Lord. We keep the short prayer in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Good morning, church. Uh, it's indeed a joy and a privilege to gather before the presence of our Lord to remember his sacrifice for us and also to uh, study from the word of the Lord. I hope that each of us would uh, sit with a prayerful attitude as the Lord speaks to us from his holy word and we ask the Lord to search our hearts to see what is it that he desires for us to study today and what is it that you and I can apply in our Christian lives on the basis of what we learn. Uh, if you were listening carefully to the passage that Kristen had read, we have reached chapter 10 in our study of the book of 1 Corinthians. If all of you could turn your Bibles with me uh, to 1 Corinthians in chapter 10. Uh, Kristen had read verses 1 to 5. And if you remember in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, we were talking about the topic of freedom. Liberty we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you and I are free Christians, what are the joys that we enjoy? What are the responsibilities that we have? What are the things that we can do? And what are the things that we are not supposed to do? These are some of the things that we looked at in our study of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you notice in verses 10, the focus of Apostle Paul quickly changes. He gives us certain examples. Now listen to me carefully. He gives examples to born-again believers... But he derives those examples from the Old Testament or from the people of Israel. For example, you look at chapter 10 and verses 6. There it says, now these things occurred as examples. As examples. Again, you look at verses 11. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. So in chapter 10 onwards, Apostle Paul uses Old Testament examples the examples from the life of the people of Israel, and he makes those application to born-again believers that are there in the church. Examples written from the Old Testament as to things that you and I need to learn and apply in our Christian life. But before we look at this passage, I thought it was important for us to talk about the topic of the church. Let me see if this works. While Abhijit uh, just uh, takes care of that, I thought that it was important for us to talk about the relationship that the church has with the people of Israel. The relationship that the church has with the people of Israel. It is important for us to understand within the plan of God, how God had functioned with the people of Israel in the old and how God functions today with the church. And that's the reason why before we look at this passage, I thought it is important for us to spend the next few minutes to understand what is God's plan. How is it that God functions? How is it that God ministers? How is it that God works in the world today? 
what is the relationship that god had with the people of israel and what is the relationship that he has with the church today So I want to talk about the relationship that Israel has with the church. That's something that I want us to think about. Now, listen to me very carefully. There are believers today who believe and teach that there is absolutely no difference between the church and Israel. They are one and the same. There are people like that who live in the world today who preach this, who teach this. In fact, there are some who say that church is the new Israel. The church is the new Israel that is there in the world today. Let me explain it to you in this way. They say that God's plan with humanity began with the people of Israel in the Old Testament. It continues today through the church. And God exercises all that he told the people of Israel through the church. And everything that God had done with the, with the people of Israel is very visibly seen uh, through his ministry with the church. There are people who say that there is no difference between Israel and the church. And therefore, they also would take the Old Testament and they would make the same applications. They would apply the same thing for the church. But even before we go ahead, you and I can understand that that is not the case. Correct? Because in the Old Testament, we had a temple. Do we have temples today? As to, do we gather in temples today? We don't. In the Old Testament, we had the priesthood. But in the New Testament, none of us wear flowing robes. None of us put a turban. None of us come with incense into the presence of the Lord. In the Old Testament, there were sacrifices. Imagine on a Sunday, you and I bring our sheep into this hall on a weekly basis. What would happen? None of us do that. So there is a clear difference as to what these people say. But I believe, and I want to teach you from scripture today, that we believe that the church and the people of Israel are very, very different. I'm not making this up because that is what the Bible very clearly teaches. God, yes, began his plan for humanity through the people of Israel. After that, today, God functions separately through the church. God functions separately through the church. There is a clear distinction between the Old Testament saints and the New Testament born-again church believers. Now let me explain it to you in this way so that there's no misunderstanding. God chose one man, Abraham. We're going to just look at that in, the, in a little while. And God chose a nation called the people of Israel. God chose that nation to be a nation belonging only to God. And in the New Testament you see how God sent his only begotten son. And that son came to his own nation. But that nation rejected him. And then God began another purpose. God began another plan. And that plan is the church. And God functions to the world, through the world, today by the church. And we believe from the teachings of scripture that Israel and the church is not one and the same. They are very different from each other. Now if you were to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in itself. If you were to just look at verse 32. If you can just all of you please look at your scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 32. The scriptures very clearly states that it says, Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. You notice that usage that Apostle Paul says? If they were one and the same, he would not use the word or there. Correct. He would say, give no offense to the Jews, comma, the Greeks, comma, the church of God. But he says, do not give offense. Don't be a stumbling block for those who are Jews or the church of God. So from that verse in itself, it is very clear to understand that Apostle Paul in himself understands the clear distinction between the church and between the Old Testament Israelites. And that is an understanding that you and I need to have in our lives today as well. How is the church and how are the people of Israel different from each other? Well, let us go to the beginning. How it actually all began. And from that you understand a clear cut difference that is there being taught in scripture. How did the people of Israel begin? How did Israelites come into being? What is the story as to how Jacob, Abraham all came into existence? And where do you find that story? Can you tell me? Louder? On the book of Genesis, turn to Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. 
And you look at what the Lord speaks to one man, the father of the nation, Abraham himself. Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 to 3. There God himself says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever you curse, I will curse and all people on earth will be blessed through you. This is the birth of the people of Israel. God chose one man. We know from history that Abraham was an idol worshipper. And from idol worship, God chose that one man. And God made Abraham the father of the nation of the people of Israel. And that is the birth of the people of Israel. He says he will bless those that Abraham blesses. He will curse those that Abraham curses. But you know this verse, verse 2, lays on what Abraham is supposed to do in verse 1. And what was he supposed to do in verse 1? He was to, supposed to get up, he was supposed to take his household, and he was supposed to leave. He says, when you get up, take your family, and when you leave, and when you go, I will take you to a place. You will belong to that place. And that was how Israel became born. You see that in Genesis chapter 12. Now, if you look at Genesis chapter 17, I want to just focus on verses 8. You turn to Genesis chapter 17, please, everybody. Genesis chapter 17 and verses 8. You look at what he says in verses 8. He says, And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now listen to me very carefully. When Israel was born... In the plan of God, when Israel was born, God made a covenant agreement with Abraham and God gave Abraham a physical land on this earth. A nation came into existence. A nation came into existence. You know, let me tell it to you like this. Israel is the only nation in the world today who got their land directly from, from, from God. They are the only people who can actually say that. They are the only nation, the only country, the only place in the world out of all the other people who can proudly say that they got their piece of land from God directly. How do we know that? The Bible says so. God tells Abraham, Genesis 17, I will give you this land and on that land you will have an everlasting generation for years and years to come. Now imagine if my dad bought a property for me and I'm staying in that house. And imagine if I commit a crime and then I go to jail because I commit that crime. And after a year of serving my sentence, when I come back, and imagine if somebody else is staying in my house. How do you think I would feel? I would get annoyed, right? Because that house actually belongs to me. Who gave me that land? That house was given to me by my father. I have the right to stay there. And then I go and I make problems. And then he says, I won't leave. You know why? From the day that you left this place, I was here. Basically, this is what is happening in the world today. Because of the sins that the people of Israel committed, many a times they had to leave their land. Whenever they left, there were other people who came and stayed at that land. And today when the Israelites are going there and saying, excuse me, this belongs to us. They are saying, no, get out. And there is this huge chaos and war happening in the world. Can you imagine how foolish those people actually are? Because the Israelites are asking for something that actually belongs to them. <laughs> if someone were to ask them, who gave this to you, what would be their answer? God! Nobody has the right to tell me to get out of this land because God gave me this piece of land. And this chaos is going to reign supreme until the end where God will finally come back and establish and give that land to the people of Israel. They are the only nation who can actually say that. That God was the one who gave us that land. God told Abraham, I'm going to give you that land. You will stay in that land and you will rest, you and your generation, now and forevermore. And we believe that this is how the birth of the people of Israel actually began. What about the church? If you were to turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. Can you just turn your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 and 19. You look at what the Lord Jesus himself says in the New Testament. He says, and I say unto you, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We know this very well. You know, Jesus is not talking about the fact that the church is built on Peter. 
He's saying, Peter, you are the rock, but on me, on me, the rock, I will build my church. Peter, you will be my disciple. I will give you my teaching and the church will grow on the basis of your teaching, the disciples teaching. You will entrust this to other people and the teachings that I give you will be the foundation and the basis of the teachings that the church rests upon. I want you to look at one particular word that Jesus uses over there. He says, I will build my church. Which means even at that point of time, the church did not exist. So if Israel and the church were one and the same, he won't say, I will build my church. You understand what I'm trying to say? He would say, what which was there in the old, I will continue and begin. He didn't say that. He says, I will build my church. Which is clearly talking about something that is to happen in the future. Which clearly allows us to understand that the Old Testament saints, so the people of Israel began at that time and church is a new program, a new plan of God. Now let me just pause over here because I want us to understand this verse very carefully. Jesus says, I will build my church. That means in the future. Certain things need to happen before I build my church is exactly what Jesus is trying to say here. Certain things need to take place before the church comes into existence. And from that same passage, if you just look at Matthew chapter 16 verse 21, you understand the things that are supposed to take place. After Jesus talks about this, look at what it says, Matthew 16 verse 21. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, he must suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day, be raised to life. Jesus very clearly says, I will build my church, but before I do that, there are certain things that I need to do. I need to go, I need to suffer, I need to die, and I need to, and I need to rise again. And that is the basis of the church, my dear brothers and sisters. When we gather together, we believe that Jesus died for us on the cross of Calvary. How? By suffering for our sins. Not only he died, he was buried, but we worship, we praise a God who rose again on the third day. Now listen to me very carefully when I make this explanation. Those who believe on the Lord Jesus, his sacrifice on the death of the cross, who believe in the sufferings of the Lord Jesus because of our sin, Those people who receive the Lord Jesus as their personal savior today are the ones who are added and are considered to be part of the New Testament church of God. We believe and we know that the church began on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. That was the day that the church came into existence. When the spirit of the Lord came upon the apostles, they went out and they shared the gospel. I want you to look at what happened exactly on the day of Pentecost because that's very important for us. If you just look over there in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 onwards, you look at what it says. It says, those who received his word, that means received the gospel, opened their heart, asked the Lord Jesus to come and live inside and those who were baptized were added to their number or the church from that day onwards. Who are these people? Verse 42, these are the people... Please look in your Bibles. These are the people who devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And they devoted themselves to prayer. All those who received the message of the Lord Jesus by asking for the forgiveness of their sins, who were baptized, were the ones who were added to the church of God. And they are the ones who today are considered to devote themselves to the teaching, to fellowship, to prayer, and to the breaking of bread. Now let me make something very clear for us. Today, yes, we are called as Calvary Bible Fellowship, but we also call ourselves as New Testament believers. And we base all that we believe on and practice on on the teachings that are found in the New Testament. And that is only made possible if you ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. And probably some of us would have done that personally in our room without anybody ever knowing Very quietly, we would have accepted the Lord Jesus into our heart and that is genuine. But when you do that in your life and you are sure that you need to do that, the scriptures clearly teach that you need to publicly let the world know that you are baptized, that you accept the Lord Jesus and you do that through baptism. And through baptism, you tell the entire world, not just your family, but your unbelieving friends, that you are different from them. 
And when you receive the Lord Jesus and obey the Lord in the waters of baptism, you and I become a part of the plan, the new plan of God, which is called as his church. Now, if you are born again, and if you are baptized, can I ask all of us an important question according to verse 42? Do we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching? Do we devote ourselves to fellowship? Do we involve in time of prayer? And do we involve consciously to the breaking of the bread? Because that is what God's plan is for the church today. Can we all just take a minute and examine ourselves? Can I take a minute and talk to all of my dear friends here who, are, who have accepted the Lord, but you have not yet obeyed the Lord in the waters of baptism? If you believe that you have accepted the Lord Jesus and you know that your faith is genuine and sure, what stops you from accepting the Lord in the waters of baptism? What you have so privately done in your room, why don't you take a step of faith and publicly announce it to the world? Those of us who are born again and baptized, when we are part of the church of God, God reveals his plan through the church to the entire world today. So how do we understand that Israel and the church are different? When you look at how Israel came into existence and how the church came into existence. God called one man, God gave them a, a physical land. God made a covenant with those people and God blessed those people. In the same way, we don't, in, in a different way, we don't have a physical land. We are people who are called by God, set apart by God. And you and I are born again, baptized believers, part of the church of God, fulfilling his plan and purpose as we live in this world. When God called the people of Israel, God gave them something which is called as the law. The law, that is the Old Testament. And all the people of Israel were supposed to follow the law. They were supposed to do everything that is written in the law. They were supposed to follow it. When you read the Old Testament, there were probably 650 plus laws that they were supposed to follow. And that is why we call it as the period of the covenant. They were supposed to keep the covenant. And accordance to keeping the covenant, they will show how faithful they are in their relationship with their Yahweh God. But if they were given the law, we are people who are living in the period of grace. We live in the period of the New Testament. We follow the New Testament. We follow the teachings, the preachings that are found in the New Testament. So this can create a confusion for a lot of people, I understand. So I just want to make that clear for you. Even though the Old Testament was given for the people of Israel, it does not mean that it is useless to us. Of course we are to read it. Of course we are to understand it. But how then do we apply the Old Testament to us who are the New Testament born again believers? Whenever we read any passage of scripture in the Old, how can I understand whether that needs to be applied to the church or not? Now let me make something very clear. There are a lot of people today who are not careful. They take Old Testament passages and they make the same application to the church today. You and I need to be very careful when we use Old Testament scriptures written specifically for the people of Israel. We cannot make the same application for the church today. Like I said to you earlier about sacrifices. I cannot stand here and say, just because God told the people of Israel to sacrifice next week, Juni, please bring one goat, Pradeep, three goats. I can't say that. It doesn't make sense today. We will create a lot of mess here. And James who owns this hall would probably have a, a serious talk with us. That doesn't make any sense. So how then do we know what I read in the old should I be applying in my church life today? Let me give you a principle that you and I can understand. In the old, whatever is restated in the New Testament, you and I are obliged to follow that. Let me say that again. Whenever you read the Old Testament, you find out if that same principle, the same teaching is found there in the New Testament and that is how you and I learn to make those applications. Now let me talk about the example of sacrifices. When you read the Old Testament, sometimes we might, some might... Some people might get confused. Should I still do sacrifices today? But you read the New Testament, especially in Hebrews, you see that sacrifices have been abolished once and for all. And therefore I understand that that is not for me, that is only for the people of louder Israel. Old Testament, you talk about the priest, but in the New Testament you see how we are all priests. But that is not a priesthood that talks about your robe. We are all spiritual priests in the sights of a holy God. And that's where you and I make those applications. You understand? 
from the old whatever we read, whatever is restated in the New Testament, that is what you and I are supposed to follow. That's why we call ourselves New Testament born again believers. Let me give you a couple of examples to help you understand. The Ten Commandments that God gave to the people of Israel in the Old Testament. You read that in the book of Exodus. Ten Commandments. And if you read the Ten Commandments, we all know that very well. The first four commandments is talking about your relationship with God. You shall have no other image before me. You shall not bow down. You shall only worship me. Keep your Sabbath holy. And the remaining six commandments is talking about your relationship with human beings. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. You shall not bear false witnesses. Honor your father and mother. All of these things are talking about your relationship with human beings. This Old Testament, this Old Testament commandment is again found in the New Testament. If you turn your Bible with me to Mark chapter 12, verse 30, you see this commandment very clearly given there. Look, listen here. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And all your strength. It's talking about the first four commandments. You know that very well. And then it says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. How do I love my neighbor? By following the remaining six commandments. Following the remaining six commandments. How do I love my neighbor? By not coveting. By not committing adultery. By not bearing false witnesses. By honoring my father and mother. And that Old Testament was taken and it was restated in the New Testament. And you and I are obliged to follow that. Does that make sense? Yes or no? Let me give you another example. In the Old Testament, you see how God gives clear instructions as to what kind of food to eat and what kind of food you should not eat. There are kinds of food that you are allowed to eat and there are kinds of food that you should not eat. It was specifically stated for the people of Israel. But you remember that New Testament passage where Peter had this vision, so, uh, Peter had this vision, and in the vision he saw a blanket with a lot of animals that are there. Yes or no? Yeah. Yes or no? And in that blanket there were all kinds of food, and it's very interesting. They were not only totally unclean; they were clean animals as well. But Peter looked at those animals and he said, "How can I eat this, Lord? I have never eaten anything unclean." And then the Lord says, what I have made clean, nobody can make it unclean. And we don't find any such instructions regarding food when it comes to the New Testament. Praise God. Hallelujah. We can eat whatever we want. Some of you are thinking about lunch right now. Please, for a moment, keep that aside and listen to me carefully. And that's how you and I make applications from scripture. We take the old, we read it, we see what is being said in the New Testament and then we make those applications in our Christian life. There are specific applications that are given for the people of Israel. And you and I need to be very careful to take those passages and explain it from the pulpit and say, therefore, the church needs to do the same. But even though there is a clear distinction between what God tells the people of Israel and the church, there are universal things that God speaks to the entire world, even though he speaks to the people of Israel. For example, turn your Bibles with me to Jeremiah chapter 31 and verses 3. It's a beautiful verse in the scripture. Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 3. And even though God speaks this verse to the people of Israel, I believe it's a universal language that God speaks to everybody else. It is something that you and I can apply not only to us, but to every single person born in this world. God says in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. The Bible beautifully talks about a God who created the entire world. He created the sun, the moon, the stars and all the planets. God was the one who drew the image of man in his own likeness. And God loved man with such a great love. And God says that he loves all of humanity including you and including me with a love that is everlasting. If you continue to read that verse it says I have shown you everlasting kindness. A kindness that you will never ever get from anyone else in this world. No matter where you come from, my dear friend, no matter your background, no matter your baggage, I want you to understand from scripture that God is not just speaking to the people of Israel. God is speaking to everyone. God is speaking to you. And what is he saying this morning from the Bible? He says that he loves you with an everlasting love. He has shown you eternal kindness. You might be sitting there and you might be thinking, but God does not know what all I have done. Yes, God knows exactly everything that you have done and he still, he loves you. He definitely does hate your sin, but he loves you so much from the bottom of his heart. 
He loves you with a love that will never, ever, ever, ever come to an end. So how do we know that Israel and the church is different when you talk about how they actually began? And that is how we clearly see a distinction that is there between the people of Israel and the church. And irrespective of the fact that there are Old Testament saints or New Testament believers, God loves them all. Another way how you and I can understand how the church and the people of Israel are different is the fact as to the names that God uses for the church and for the people of Israel. Now, we've already looked from point number one that the people of Israel began in the Old Testament and the church only began in the New Testament. Therefore, whatever names is found in the Old Testament, when you read those passages, you understand how God is using those words specifically only for the people of Israel and not for the church. We cannot take those names or make those applications for the church today. For example, it's so interesting, right? You read Genesis chapter 14, you see how Abraham is called as the Hebrew. And the people of Israel are called Hebrews. You read the book of Esther, chapter 10 and verse 3, you see Mordecai was called as Mordecai the Jew. Not once, so many times it appears. That's why the people of Israel are also called as the Jewish people. Okay? You remember how Apostle Paul in Philippians, he says, I am a Hebrew of the Hebrew and I am a Jew of the Jews. Ah, that was the names that was given to the people of Israel. They were called, we cannot call ourselves Jewish people. No, because that was the name that was given to this nation chosen by God. They were called as the firstborn by God, Yahweh in Exodus chapter 4. And it is so interesting that God tells Moses, go and tell Pharaoh that Israel is my Firstborn. You know, you and I would read that verse very casually, but you know, for the, for the Pharaoh, that actually would make a lot of impact. You know why? Because God tells Pharaoh that Israel is my firstborn, let my people go. And if you don't let my people go, I will strike down your firstborn. And that's the meaning of that verse over here. Can you imagine the impact of that? I love my firstborn so much that if you don't give him to me, if you don't let him go, I will take away your firstborn. So when Moses stands in front of Pharaoh and when he says firstborn, Pharaoh's got a prick in his heart. But he hardens it and he loses his son because of his disobedience. You read the book of Hosea, chapter 11, verse 1. You read the book of Hosea itself. God is talking about his relationship with the people of Israel. God is saying, I am running behind you because I want you to be a wife to me. But they are prostituting themselves. They have disobeyed the commandments of God. And as a result of which they are living in adultery. And God tells Hosea the prophet, go and marry a wicked person. So that through that marriage, I will show you how much I love the people of Israel. And in Zechariah chapter 2 verses 8, this is only a phrase mentioned for the people of Israel. God calls them as the apple of his eye. Just imagine, right? The people of Israel are considered to be the apple of God's eye. Imagine if somebody plays around with the people of Israel. Just imagine the judgment that is reserved for people like that. For people who would dare to play around, who would dare to persecute, who would dare to touch the apple of the eyes of a holy God. And God calls the people of Israel and he says, you are the apple of my eye. And that is how much I actually love you. We cannot take these names and apply it to the church because those are names specifically found in the Old Testament. And when you come to the New Testament, there are a lot of names that is given to the church. There are so many examples. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the church is called as God's building. The church is called as the field of God. But what is the most common name that would come to your mind when we talk about the church, that the name that the Lord has given to us? Louder? Louder? We are called as the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it is. listen to me very carefully. It is only a name that is given to the New Testament church. Nobody else is included in this. The people of Israel are not included in the bride of Christ. If today somebody accepts the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, obeys the Lord in the waters of baptism, regularly attends a local worship, he or she also is considered to be as the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, you and I are the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you all a question. Do we live as the bride of Christ today? For those of us who are married, 
imagine all the preparation that you and i actually had to go through right in order to get married i speak on behalf of all the men here no matter how much we shaved that morning no matter how shiny our suit was or which direction our hair was when we walked into the hall nobody stood up for us right there was no music playing all that we did was stand and smile at people and come and stand in the front and then they make a special announcement right who do they make the announcement for for the bridegroom no he's already there they say let us all stand up and let us all turn why who's coming the bride is coming and then she walks down the aisle with her father in her hand and then she's smiling and feeling shy that's who we actually are the bride of the lord jesus christ just think of that brothers and sisters one day we are also going to walk down the aisle like this and jesus is the bridegroom standing in the front and i wonder why would he ever give the focus to a sinner like me why would he wait at the altar for the bride of christ to walk down and wait to be married to a to a person like me but that is who we actually are we are the bride of the lord jesus christ do we wake up each day and do we tell ourselves oh, i am no longer jobin but i am the bride of the lord jesus christ and therefore i need to be very careful as to how i behave today how i think today how how i how i'm taking care of my spiritual dress not my physical dress you know if you if you turn your bibles with me to second corinthians chapter 12 second corinthians chapter 12 you look at the words of apostle paul himself he says for i am jealous for you with a godly jealousy for i betrothed you to one husband that is to christ that i might present you as a pure virgin you and i are supposed to live a life of pure virginity as we wait for the wedding day that means you and i are supposed to be spiritually pure as we look forward to the day that the lord jesus will be married to us and are we living such pure lives brothers and sisters as a church of god as the bride of christ are we living such pure lives or has adultery creeped into our lives because of all the sin that is there in our lives I don't want to go to this passage but you and I know this very well Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 onwards is talking about the husband wife relationship wives submit to your husbands husbands love your wife let us understand that the Christ is the head of this church we are supposed to live under subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ and love one another because that is the example of the Lord Jesus Christ that is what the virgin is supposed to do while she waits for her groom to come and receive her do we do that as brothers and sisters do we look forward to that day and until that day comes do we tell ourselves i need to live in subjection to the lord my my, my heavenly father who saved me and do we learn to love one another the way the lord jesus loved us the lord jesus gave us his only son to die for wretched sinners like me we look forward to the day in revelation 19 where it says the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife had made herself ready is talking about the future event when the lord jesus comes you and i will stand at the marriage supper of the lamb and we will be ready to be married to the lord jesus christ and this is the future hope that we have to keep the commandment of the lord jesus while we live in this world to live as pure virgins following all that the lord has asked me to do in his holy scriptures that is specifically mentioned for us the bride of christ the new testament church of god now while i say this let me also remind us that when we are supposed to be virgins when we live in adulterous life that is sin in the sight of the holy god or let me say like this when you and i are supposed to follow the commandments of god anything that we do against the commandment of god is considered to be sin and that is a universal language again just like how i told you god's love is a universal language sin is also a universal language my dear friends whether you were born in the old testament whether you were from the people of israel whether you are part of the church the day that we were born you and i were born in our sin you and i broke the commandment of god and because of sin that is there in our life we were once upon a time eternally supposed to be banished from the presence of the lord you and i are not sinners because of what we do we are sinners because that is how we are born 
And the Bible very clearly states in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 that all have committed sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Every Jew, every Greek, every church members, every person born in this world, all people at all points of time were born in their sin and have fallen short of the glory of God. Like I reminded you, you and I were supposed to go into eternal damnation. But you know what? God in his mercy, he sent his only begotten son. Can we all just say this verse together? In John chapter 3 verse 16, let's all say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And let me tell it to you like this. All Israelites, all church of God, irrespective of whichever time period that you were born, the only way to go to heaven is to look at the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. Let me show you this picture to illustrate it better for you. You know, at all points of time, the Old Testament saints knew that Messiah would come and die. So what the Old Testament saints are basically doing is that they were looking forward to what Jesus would do. And their faith or their salvation was based on that. But you and I, New Testament believers, we look back to what Jesus has already done for us on the cross of Calvary. And our faith, our salvation is based on that. So irrespective of what timeline, I mean, there are no Israelites living here, I mean, from the Old Testament here. But whether you are listening to me or not, for whichever timeline you come in, there is only one way to go to heaven. And that is to look at the Lord Jesus and understand that he is the only way, he is the only truth, and he is the only life. All of us sitting here today, if listening to me speaking, probably you've heard this so many times on Sunday from this very same pulpit. But if you realize that you are a sinner, and if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, and if you've never asked the Lord Jesus to come and live into your heart, you are not saved. You cannot go to heaven. If there is anyone sitting here, all that I want to tell you is to open your heart and ask the Lord Jesus to come and live inside. How can I do that? The Bible in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Wherever you are seated, my dear brothers and sisters, all you need to do is ask the Lord Jesus to come and live in your heart. How do you know that the people of Israel and the church is different? Well, you look at how it actually began. We know how the people of Israel began and how the church began. How do you know? Because when you read the Old Testament, there are phrases and words that are used specifically for the people of Israel. Phrases and words specifically used for the church. You never find the same name appearing both in the Old and the New. That clearly shows that God had a separate relationship with Israel and a separate relationship with the church, the New Testament believers. And for all people, universally, Jesus came. Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again. He ascended to the Father's home. Another way how you and I can understand the difference between the church and the Old Testament scenes is by looking at what is to happen in the future. We spoke about what happened in the past. We spoke about how God considers Israel and the church. And I want us to take a few minutes to think about the future. What is going to happen in the future? You know very clearly from the New Testament that the next event that is going to happen in the world is the, the rapture. And I know you already know this, but let me make it very clear that the rapture is only meant for the church, the New Testament believers. The rapture is not meant for the entire people of this world. At the rapture, the New Testament church believing saints will be taken away from this world to live with the Lord Jesus in the midair. Now, you don't have to turn to the Bible. It's there very clear on the screen. If you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, just look at this verse very carefully. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever. You look at the verse, dead in Christ, is talking about all of our family members in the church age who have died today and are resting in the presence of the Lord. They will rise up. And then you look at the next verse, we who are alive, together with them, will be caught up with the Lord. It is only a phrase that talks about the New Testament church, brothers and sisters. All our loved ones, who we have bid goodbye to recently, we will see on the day of rapture. Just imagine, right? 
what a joyful day that's going to have that's going to be my dad's dad passed away one month before i was born I never got the chance to see him and uh, my dad's dad was the first person to leave his family and enter into the faith and he was chased away because of his faith and as a result of which we all became believers by accepting the lord jesus i've never seen him but i've always heard that he was a great man you know i always think like this is my thinking i've seen his photo because his photo is framed in our house but he's never seen me but imagine the joy i will have on the day of the rapture to walk up to him and tell him that i am i was his grandson when we were on the earth imagine no i i wonder how he would actually react just imagine all our loved ones who we have lost all our loved ones who we worshiped with, with the lord in cbf we will see them one day together in the presence of our lord and look at that verse we will be with him forever wow and this is going to happen specifically only for the church the new testament believers of god we will resurrect those of us who are alive along with those of us who are, those of our families who are dead we will both be transformed glorified and we will live in the presence of the lord now and forevermore and after the rapture of the church i don't want to go into detail you and i will go through the judgment seat of the lord jesus christ first corinthians and in second corinthians the bema judgment of the lord jesus will happen again and after the bema judge while the bema judgment is going on there is going to be a period of tribulation that is going to happen on this world after the period of tribulation is when the second coming of the lord jesus will happen and you and i will come back with the lord jesus into this world and i believe according to scriptures that that is the time that the old testament saints will rise up and along with the old testament saints you and i will enter the millennial kingdom of god and there is a clear difference taught in scripture as to when we will rise up and when they will rise up and that very clearly states as to the fact that israel is very different from the plan and the purpose which is the church of god if you go back home and we already studied that book sorry in daniel chapter 12 but if you go back and read that in daniel chapter 12 you very clearly see as to how the lord teaches about the resurrection of the old testament saints that is how you and i understand that the church and israel are very different from each other but even though we are so different from each other you come back to first corinthians chapter 10 and you see how these verses says these are written as examples for you these are written because how i dealt with the people of israel even though they were so treacherous even though they were so disobedient i still loved them i still took care of them the 11 day journey turned into a 40 year wandering but i was still with them they can never say it says in scripture that the tongs of their sandals had worn out that they could be hungry i have fed and i have taken care of them and my church believers i will do the same for you i will never leave you and i will never forsake you the same god even though israel's israelites would have changed even though we change as it says in the book of hebrews yesterday today and forever jesus is is the same he will never ever ever change let us understand that how god specifically worked with the people of israel in the old is how god is working today through us the new testament church believers god makes himself known to the world through his church that is you and to me can i encourage all of us to take a moment and to understand and realize that the bible calls us as his bride and therefore how we behave how we live matters a lot to our lord jesus christ can i ask everybody just for a minute to close your eyes and bow your head everybody can you just close your eyes and bow your head the only reason i am asking you to close your eyes and bow your head so that you can just think about all that we just spoke right now my dear brothers and sisters i don't want this just to be a kind of new learning for us today i don't want this just to be something that refreshes our memory something that we already know but i want us to really examine our lives right now like we saw very clearly from scripture those who received the message were the ones who were added to the church can i ask each and every one of us have you ever received the lord jesus as your personal lord and savior is there anyone still sitting here who's never asked the lord to come and live in your life and if there is someone like that can i ask you just for a minute would you open your heart would you ask the lord jesus to come and live in 
wherever you are seated all you need to say is lord i am sorry would you please forgive me would you make me your child the bible says to those who call upon the lord to them he has given them the privilege to be called his children and if there's anybody sitting here would you ask the lord jesus to live into your life my brothers and sisters can i talk to you for one minute we are the bride of the lord jesus brothers and sisters myself included how has our christian life been is there sin in our lives has anything stained our white crystal clear dress has anything creeped into our lives allowing us to commit sin because of which we might be considered adulterous in our relationship with the lord jesus if there is any of us whatsoever it may be forget about the sin of somebody else think of your own sin think of my let's think of our own sins brothers and sisters and if there is any of us still living in any kind of sin whatever it may be can we also take a minute and say lord i am so sorry would you please forgive me i want to renew my relationship with you because i realize that i am the bride of the lord jesus christ we will pray and close but before we pray whatever you want to pray and set things right with god you can do that right now and then i will pray and we will close father god what a wonder working god you are how you beautifully dealt with the people of israel even though they didn't deserve it and your covenant was always forever lasting thank you that you work through the church today as well thank you that we are the bride of the lord jesus and thank you that you have reserved us kept us pure for the day of the marriage supper of the lamb prepare us lord as we look forward to that day prepare our hearts and cleanse us from our sins and our shame and our iniquities and enable us to understand that you desire an authentic relationship from us father lord we believe that today will be the day that you will come and if you are to come what a joy it will be for us to be reunited with you and with the saints that we have lost because of sin that is there in this world and we look forward lord that you would come today but for whatsoever reason only known to you if you choose to tarry for one more day one more week bless us to live in the light of what we studied in scriptures today lord enable us not to go back to our homes in the same way that we came enable us to live a life of difference because you are the one who makes sense take all the praise the glory and the honor because no one else but you is worthy to receive it and we ask all of this in the name of our soon coming lord and our savior jesus christ